You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back again today. Uh, after the storm we had last night, or as you would call it, the no storm last night. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, you know, up, uh, just north of us, uh, where I, north of where I live, they had some uh, Well, it some shut storm, off my satellite but, last uh, night. I didn't have any TV uh, after about uh, 9.15. Oh, we, did, I mean, we, never, we never, we had nothing. And it was just amazing. It was, I looked at the, the weather.com, and uh, you looked at this massive storm. And because the metro Atlanta area is so big... I mean, it is common that only part of the metro area gets rain or storms and stuff, and that's what happened last night. I mean, it was a line above Sandy Springs that, you know, that's where all the rain was. There's nothing down below. It's that whole Appalachian microclimate thing they got going on here. You know, a number of times I've seen, watch, been watching radar, and, and uh, you watch the storm coming in, and it gets to the heat index of Atlanta, and it just disperses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, goes away. Atlanta really is an amazing microclimate. Plus, with the with the mountains that we have, most people don't realize Atlanta is is the very base of the Appalachian uh, uh, mountains, and so that that affects how how storms interact here. Which is why we rarely, if ever, get any hurricane residue. Rarely, if ever, any hurricane residue. Once every decade. Uh, but David, I want you to know my garden is still producing for all the listeners out there. I'm pulling up peppers this week. Peppers are coming in like crazy. Uh, I thought I wouldn't have any peppers. I didn't really only, I only have ended up with about 20, 25 pepper plants after the 100 and change that I planted. But, uh, but David, it's, it's hard to find the peppers. Do you, do you know why it's hard to find the peppers? Why is it because hard the to weeds find are growing the weeds. Otherwise, I did a terrible job. You know, after about the, as we talked about after about mid July, it's like yeah, it's too hot to eat. Whatever. I, I, you know, that's that's what happened to my squash. That's what happened to my beans. That's what happened to my snap peas. My squash were done by the time the weeds started. Actually, I still don't have any weeds around my squash. They effectively kept the the seeds uh, from sprouting. But uh, my beans had a lot. But I, I picked all the beans I could eat. There's only so many beans you can eat. I mean, really, I, I planted way too many. Beans Bless today. you, my son. I, yeah. my, you and my wife and I all agree. Great. There's only so many beans. Don't bring another bean. No more beans. I can't eat any more beans. My beans. I'm going to shoot myself in the head. But the tomatoes are our my tomatoes are still going strong tonight is a uh, is a salsa night at our house we're making some salsa ah and then tomorrow it'll be some tomato sauce I mean not people should put up like seventy five jars I mean we'll probably have a half a dozen jars of that stuff but uh, it'll still be pretty good and we're giving lots of it away um, and they're all what's wonderful about that and my favorite are the are, are the yellow uh, the yellow pineapple tomatoes so they're bright bright yellow and they have just little hint of tomato pineapple flavor hmm. Uh, delicious. I love those things. Just love those things. That and the black creme are my two favorites. Uh, now, David, I have to tell you, there has been some news on the immigration front uh, related to Donald Trump. <laughs> related to Donald Trump. Did, did you, were you able to watch the debate last Friday night? Did you, did you participate in either the early or Thurs, the Thursday debate? night? Thursday night, yes. I watched uh, the five o'clock debate, the warm up, uh, the warm up, or the which apparently uh, had the winner, JV. Yeah, Carly, I thought she did very well. Well, uh, you got to figure who she was competing against. So um, the bar wasn't very high. Well, you still, you know, the bar could have drug her down, and it didn't. And, That's true. Uh, you know, she. Uh, I thought she did a uh, a good job, uh, and I I watched uh, until about ten fifteen, ten twenty. The the big debate. I, I my, my satellite went out, <laughs> and oh. I too. So we had a storm come over that night, and I just stopped watching. 
Uh, but I got to see uh, the Donald in full board. I actually do want to agree with the Donald. I think he got way harder questions. Not necessarily harder, but more personal questions. They didn't ask him a policy question. Now, it could be because he has no actual policies um, <laughs> anywhere, uh, including on his website. There's no policy page on his website, David. You know, I want my presidential candidate to actually have thought about the issues other than I'm not a politician, I'll deal with it when it comes up. This is almost like political survivor. You know, okay, this week we're throwing at you this amazing challenge. And Donald says, whatever, I'll deal with it when it comes up. So, uh, but it, immigration came up because they asked him, you know, specifically about the, about the wall and about the negotiation and how he's going to make the government, Mexican government pay for the wall he said is going to happen. And did he answer the question? No. They just call people names. You know, Mexico's better negotiators than America. We have terrible leaders. They're stupid. Now think about that. Really? I, I know about 150 million Mexicans that would disagree with you on that point. That their leaders are anything other than corrupt, um, uh, ill-conceived, and in it for anything but themselves. Uh, to argue that the Mexican leadership is more skilled than ours, not, not that I'm saying we are more skilled, I'm just saying I think they're both equally inept going forward. Uh, and, you know, there is no negotiation on the border. It's not like Mexico's society. Anyway, this is his theory, of course, is that Mexico picks the worst in their society and sends all their rapists up here. If that were true, why aren't the cartels operating on the American side of the border and on, instead of on the Mexican side of the border? You know, i got to tell you, I, Donald says great, great and fun and interesting things that, that make you go, wow, yeah, yeah, that's terrible. But then actually when you think about it, you go, well, yeah, it's probably not probably nothing to do with that. Um, but uh, so the debate focused on immigration a little bit. You had uh, George Bush. I'm sorry. I keep doing that. Why do I call him George, David? I don't know, because you can't remember Jeb, I Jeb, guess. Jeb. Oh, Jeb's not his real name. Well, it's his middle name. It's not his first name. Jebediah? Is it? I, I think his know. first name is Jonathan. I have no idea. I think it's Jonathan Jeb or something. No, no, that's because... Yeah, you know what? I think his name was like Jonathan E. Bush, which is why he goes by Jeb, I think. Because Jeb's not his given name, I don't think. David, we're going to have to look this up. We're going to have to look this up, David. Research? Are we going to call in our research staff? Go, call in the research staff, uh, see if they can come in and figure out uh, what's going on here as far as Jeb's real name. Uh, but he said the point, look, he was challenged on whether whether being coming illegally, coming without papers, is an act of love. And he, confer- he, he doubled that. He said, it's an act of love. It's an act of people that want better for their families, just like you and I. Uh, he wants a path to legality, a long, painful path to legality. Um, at this point, it's still unclear whether he supports the ability to people to get citizenship at some point in the future, whether they be barred from citizenship. Uh, Rubio does support a path ultimately to citizenship that people who want to become citizens. Again, it's not a guaranteed path. It's not a mandatory path. It's just, hey, we're going to leave that open if you want to do it. So I thought him and Rubio, uh, Rubio and Bush, both had uh, pretty good open um, uh, minds on the immigration issue. Kasich also, I thought, was good on his immigration answer. Uh, all the rest, Walker, of course, waffled when he was challenged directly, when did you change your mind? You know, why change your mind when you were pro-legalization, pro-reform before, now you're not? He says, well, I talked to the people. What people he talked to? You know, David, there is something very interesting about Walker. 
in the state that he's from. You, you, you know where he's from, right? That's mm-hmm. it'd be Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that may be the home of John Tanton and the entire anti-immigration movement. Uh, and maybe he's talking to the wrong people. Because there was a poll that came out uh, just this week, David, uh, from Gallup. Now, I know Gallup is your favorite polling organization. Um, and pretty nonpartisan. And actually has actually been over the years relatively... I'm not going to say anti-immigrant, but certainly not pro-immigrant in its take, which is weird because it's founded by a couple guys from the Middle East. Um, uh, So here's what they said. Uh, The U.S. public demonstrates no clear preference on what U.S. immigration levels should be. Okay, That's, that's, That's their conclusory statement at the beginning of the paragraph. On this contentious issue, 40% say levels should remain where they are, but slightly fewer... 34% 34% advocate a decrease in immigrants. Now, period. One quarter of the country prefers an increase in immigration. So 65% of Americans favor the levels where they're at or higher. Wow. That's the highest percentage showing an increase in support over the last 15 years. Happening while Donald Trump is bellowing about the process. And here's what's interesting about this. So if you look at the percentage of people that want to keep immigration where it's at, and you start in 2001, it's about 41%. In 2015, it's at 40%. It dipped as low as as 26% in 2002 after the, after the attack on the towers. You saw the decrease, people who believe in a decrease in immigration was in 2001 at 39%. Now it's at 34%, but went as high as 58% when? After the trade centers is jacked, right? It's a, na- it's a natural reaction to the, to the terrorism. But now it's back to 34%. But So those two have spiked over the years. What's interesting is that those who favor an increase in immigration, that has gone from 12% in 2001 to 25% in 2015 with an upward mark the whole way. There's a little a couple little tiny itty-bitty blips, but really just this continuous march upward. And what you're seeing, I think, is the American public realizing that immigration is good for America. That immigration brings economic development, it brings jobs, it brings uh, uh, vibrancy to a society that could easily stagnate like that in Europe which has in many ways historically opposed immigration or increasing the diversity of society. Well, now, uh, let me ask all you. I don't think you can compare the U.S. and Europe. Why uh, not, David? Because why? We're, aren't we European-Americans? <laughs> no, I'm Afro-American. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, I don't think you can compare that the, the two as far as immigration goes in that and, and just and as we were talking before the show, what's, what's the key to everything? And we, I've, I've yelled this for six years. I should and know this answer, David. The key yeah, to Yeah, education. The, oh, education. You yeah, should but, talk about that. And, and you take immigration in the U.S., and it would take more time than any debate any one of those guys had. And by the time they explained it all, or somebody like yourself that knows what immigration is really about, by the time you explained it all, even the people that cared would be half asleep, if not totally asleep. Yep. 
And then we we have immigration where I say we're different from Europe is that yes, we need those people coming in to help. We also it, with our workload, be it from the from the unskilled labor to, to the skilled uh, labor to uh, to the highest uh, that we kick out with the highest educated. Whereas Europe, I don't think any of their immigration or their immigration policies or problems is really dealing with unskilled labor. I think it's dealing with a whole different class of of problems, be it everything from so importing you, terrorists or getting away from terrorism. So you think they're more I – mean, Europe's problem, of course, is not surrounded by an ocean. You know, from their, their immigration comes directly from land or very small seas. Or the channel. The country. Uh, our country, you know, has the natural borders, at least on its sides, uh, and, you know, the, 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 the artificial border on its south. But what's interesting about this immigration increase, this desire for immigration increase, when you look at Hispanics, blacks, and non-Hispanic whites, why don't we just call them Hispanic? We're just whites. I mean, okay, whatever. Um, 2001 to 2015... For blacks, the numbers go from 24 to 30. For Hispanics, they go from 33 to 36. And non-Hispanic whites, you and I, David, 10 to 21, doubling of the percentage that want increased immigration. That's a fascinating number. Let's take a quick break here on the Immigration Hour and come right back and talk more about this. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here, June 12th at 11 a.m. It's called The Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12th, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to uh, the next segment here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, we're well into our sixth year here, aren't we, on the Immigration Hour? Gee, it seems like only yesterday. Only yesterday we began <laughs> doing this. Uh, I mean, it might even be more than six years. I mean, it, we're well into six years for sure. Well, we were at the other place. What well, I was at the other place five years, so at least we've been or here six. six. Yeah, yeah, so, so we're, so we're bunch number six. seven here. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, and you know, we're still. You're, I say we. You're still pulling a, an audience. Yeah. Well, people still haven't turned us off, and we appreciate all our listeners. And I get uh, emails every week as well from people. I really appreciate it. You know, people can email me at, at chuck at immigration dot net whenever they have an opinion and they think I'm wrong. People have done that. Uh, and people do write in and say, Chuck, I, I really appreciate you talking about this today. It opened my eyes. And who's that conservative? Would you shut him up? <laughs> I know. You know, I, uh, and you get those emails, don't you? Why do you have that liberal on your radio? You know, it's really interesting. Yesterday I received a phone call from a, from a state senator uh, 
talking about immigration issues, and uh, you know, he says, "Well, how are you going to get your liberal friends?" I said, you, you, "He says, what do you mean?" I said, "What do you mean by that?" Well, I said, "No, so I know you hang out. I know you. I know you're not a liberal. From, from I mean, I know you're Republican, but you have friends." I said, "True, because I have friends in it that are everything." I mean, I that's why I love my Facebook. It's why I love Facebook in many ways, because I get to see where people are coming from, and it gives me a much better worldview. Um, because there are good points. And this is, I think, part of the, one of the reasons I like Bush and Kasich so much. Because they're willing to cross the aisle and say, okay, what do you got? Okay, I don't really agree with that, but I could live with that if we do this. And I think there's so much option out there. But I want to go back to this poll, David, this Gallup poll. So this year they surveyed, you know, you know these polls aren't of 10 million people. They're typically of 1,000 or 2,000 people. But I was, at least briefly as an undergrad, a statistics major. So I do understand. The bell curve. I was I was even a teaching assistant my freshman year in statistics. Believe it or not, I can't even believe I was that. They must have been on drugs to make me that. <laughs> but I do have a basic understanding of statistics and how they work. Um, they sampled of in the group this time. There were five hundred eight Hispanic. I mean, there's several thousand people they talked to. It was a substantive poll. Uh, roughly half of whom report being born in the U.S and half being born outside of it. Now, here's what's interesting, David. Where do you think people fall on this increased immigration, uh, increase, decrease, keeping the present levels, compared to Hispanics specifically, whether born in or born out of the United States? Many people would assume, I think, correctly, that if they were born outside of the United States, they would favor increased immigration, Right? I mean, that makes sense to you. Hey, they let me in. But, David, my my 25 years as an immigration lawyer and 25 years being involved in immigration policy, I can tell you, and this survey bears it out, that is not the case. There are a lot of people who get here and say, close the door behind me. I'm here. Um, and so here's what the poll came out with. At, and this, the number, keep immigration at present levels, born in the U.S., 34%. Not born in the U.S., 31%. Increased immigration, born in the U.S., 39%. Not born in the U.S., 33%. And even more telling, decreased immigration, born in the U.S., 26%. Not born in the U.S., 31%. So, I mean, statistically significant numbers um, of not born in the U.S. say, oh, no, close the door behind me. Because who aren't new immigrants likely to compete against? Immigrants. They're competing against each other for jobs. So I say, oh, no, don't bring anybody else in. Uh, but I, like you, David, am a capitalist. And I do not believe that there is a limited number of jobs in America. I don't believe that. I believe there's an unlimited jobs in America, which is why these, this debate kind of ticked me off so much, because there was no question about jobs and about job creation, at least until 1015 when I had to turn it off. But I don't recall there being anything about that. You know, unemployment rate, David, is now lower than it's been in a long time. But wait, I'm not done talking about that, David. <laughs> but we also know that the number of Americans not in the labor pool is as high in sheer number-wise as it's ever been. Now, here's my question, David. Why aren't people in the labor pool when there are jobs available? Government makes it easier for some, not everybody, for some people to not be in the labor pool. Now, if people are in the labor pool, does that mean we run out of jobs? No. It means what we what we need more of are entrepreneurs 
that create jobs that will entice those people to come back to work. This is why I actually believe that the prevailing that the that the uh, minimum wage should be higher. Uh, it's too low now because it, it's too low compared to the government benefits. If you're going if the governments are going to be available, if, if food stamps are going to be available, if unemployment is going to be available, it should be at a level below that. That's significantly below that that somebody could make at a minimum wage job. And if it's the same, then where is the incentive to work? So this whole immigration thing goes goes to part of that because it takes people out of the labor force. Now there's been a couple stu- couple of uh, um, uh, extremist studies that have come out in the last week or so that say, look, every job created in America since 2007 has gone to an immigrant. That's how many immigrants have come to America. One that's that's really it's comparing apples to oranges, but it also doesn't compare to the jobs created by immigrants in self-employed situations. Now, another part of this study, David, I thought was absolutely fascinating was the overall numbers. This is the question, looking at everybody regardless of race. Uh, On the whole, do you think immigration is a good thing or a bad thing for this country today? And you go back to 2001 and you're at 62%. You go to 2000, you go to 2002, which reflects after the attacks, you're at 52%. So, Big drop. Today in 2015, the highest numbers in a generation. 73% of Americans think that immigration's overall impact is a good thing for America. And the lowest numbers ever think it's a bad thing. 31% in 2001, 2002, 42%, now down to 24%, the lowest levels in a generation. Um, And yet... David, where is the damn GOP on fixing the system? Really, you have the vast majority of Americans favoring overall immigration numbers and impact. Um, Get this. For those who say immigration is a good thing by race, Hispanics, 82%. Non-white Hispanics, 72%. Black, 70%. Massively good numbers. So why won't the GOP... Take a lesson from this. Ignore the fringe. We know that you will increase your electoral bottom line, one, by being good on immigration, one, by fixing what is a broken system and making it better. Why don't you do it? Why is the GOP leadership in Congress so afraid of the tail? And it's a small, it's like, it's like the tail from my Weimaraner. It's like an inch long. We had to cut it off because it got too destructive. So why isn't it cut off? That's what really needs to be fixed here. Um, So the bottom line from this survey, which really reflects a growing trend throughout my 25 years in immigration, is while there is no broad consensus among citizens today on how and whether immigration levels have changed, trends suggest that more U.S. adults believe immigration levels should increase than did so a decade ago. Uh, I, it's 3,000 people that surveyed, David, across 50 states and District of Columbia. This is a powerful statement. It's a very powerful survey. And, and Gallup, I don't think you can view Gallup as a political pollster for this. They didn't have Nobody commissioned this. This they just did. So it wasn't a commission study to get, to get, you know, get me a poll that says X, like a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of folks do. So I'm, um, I'm thinking that maybe, maybe John Boehner will wake up. 
No, you, you laugh before I can laugh. Come on, not fair. It's my show. I get to laugh first. Um, uh, Mitch McConnell's certainly not going to do anything. You know who I'm going to miss, by the way? John Stewart. He does the best Mitch McConnell <laughs> impression. I thought you were going to say you're going to miss Harry Reid. Harry Reid? You're going to miss Harry Reid, dude. I'm not going to miss Harry Reid. You're going to come back here in a year and go, after he's gone, and go, wow. I'm going to write this down. You're going to say, I miss Harry Reid. You're going to miss him. You really are. You know who you're really going to miss? Hillary. <laughs> no, you're not going to miss Hillary when you call her Miss President. Um, She'll never make that, Dude, that's what's going to happen unless the GOP gets their act together. She'll never make that, that's not. I, I don't doubt that uh, there's a good possibility that a Democrat will win, but I don't think it's going to be Hillary. You know, um, you brought up something, and as you were um, lamenting just now, you know, immigration is not a political issue. It's not. It's an economic issue, societal it, issue. But, but it's it's not a, you go one step further. It's a federal issue. Mm-hmm. End of story. I should have a Democrat sitting there and a Republican sitting there and say, "Work it out." End of story. You know, you well, all can leave is, the they room. Did work it out, did you it? can leave the room after it's all said and done. Well, the thing is, they did do that in the Senate, and then John Boehner said no. Yeah, well, John Boehner's an idiot. Um, He's going to keep being the Speaker of the House. You know that, right? For a while. Until he decides to retire. Oh, I don't think it'll be that long. You don't think so? No. I uh, No, I think people are seeing through him. They're seeing through... And that's what all this uh, Donald Trump stuff is about. Is people are sick and tired... Of you our know, here, here's the way I viewed. Uh, here's my view on Mr. On the Trumpster. Um, he gets what twenty five, thirty percent. He's up to thirty two now. Thirty two percent. Is there a ceiling for Donald Trump? Remember, this is the Republican primary. Do you know any Democrats who vote for him at this point? No, I don't know any. Trust I me. I don't know any Democrats. Yes, you do. <laughs> they just wanted to tell you. You also know gay people. They don't tell you that either. Okay, <laughs> you know lots of Democrats. Um, so his ceiling is the GOP. And within the GOP, he appears to have limited appeal. Now, he has more than everybody else until the other guys st- and gal start dropping off. Now, think about four years ago. Who was leading? We had uh, Bachman. You had Paul Lenti. Uh, you had um, Gingrich was popping his head out of the sand like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> uh, you had Santorum. Now, of those four, only one lasted the whole way, and he never had a chance, Santorum. So you have to look. History is a good indicator. Now, you don't live your life by history, but those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. The probability that a Trump candidacy with, with no issues can win a general election is zero. It's just he can't. He can't win a general election. Um he can't win the primary at the end of the day. If he stays in long enough, for a man who does takes no money, you can't contribute to the Trump campaign. So that means his grassroots activists have no buy-in. They just kind of like, I feel him. He speaks to a certain people. Who is he speaking to? Angry people. Are there angry people in American politics? Sure. On the left and right. I mean, that's why Bernie Sanders is getting crowds. They're angry people. 
but they are not the majority who will decide the president of the United States. So the Trumpster himself is going to fade away. Who drops off as he begins as he begins to fade away is unclear at this point. Bush has got money to hang around. I think Kasich is going to have money to hang around. Cruz may have lost his billionaire. We'll see. Rubio has money to hang around. Okay. And Perry Walker has money to hang around. Perry will probably go today. Perry doesn't have much time left at this point. He doesn't have much time left. Uh, and did he forget something during his debate? He forgot something again. Oh, he forgot how long he was governor. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. David, welcome back. Welcome back to our audience here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, uh, the most listened to uh, immigration podcast in the known universe, uh, at least as far as we know. Yeah, that that flight that's out there, however many hundred years away or whatever. David, we I'm are broadcasting sure. into space, right? So, I mean, you do have an antenna on this building. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we get at least a mile radius. Uh, something of, like of that. St- something Maybe like not that. even that big. But Maybe not even that big. We are, we are going out We're not space. a 50,000 megawatt station is what you're telling me. We're not WSB, no. No, no. We're at least a 10-megawatt station? Uh, about a 1. About a 1-megawatt <laughs> station. Well, at least I could say I'm on but, a megawatt station. But that's not where It doesn't matter because audience. the place to listen to is on the web, right? Absolutely. And on iTunes to download the shows. And America's Web Radio has lots of very interesting shows, uh, most of them on the far right side of the political spectrum, but very that, interesting shows true. on the left. It's not true. Yeah, you yeah. have... You classic, have liberals on here. Classic car show, oh, immigration. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, uh, food and farm. We've got uh, yeah, medical show. gardens, medical shows, okay. uh, psychiatry. Uh, so if today. you're looking for other shows to listen to in your, in your podcast, a lot of people listen to this show when on their drive home or somewhere. America's Web Radio has got lots of shows. and they're, they're all on iTunes, aren't they? As well? Oh, yeah. yeah sure. They're all on iTunes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I listen to podcasts from iTunes because it's easier for me to access it and download it and just listen to it later. But you can also listen live. And in fact, are we video broadcasting at this point, David? Yep, that's your. We're vid- live videoing while this is going. I hope I haven't picked my nose. I haven't picked my nose, have I? It wasn't that. There was no. Oh. 
Now, I, I was talking about this. The, the debate fascinated me. Did you know that they spent more time on immigration in the debate than they did on veterans' issues? I I didn't have my stopwatch going, but I... Somebody does, trust me. No, we wouldn't have even mentioned immigration if it wasn't for your buddy Donald. You know, he said that, actually. I know he did. He said that, uh, and that is probably not true. (laughs) In fact, there is a blog on this about, no, Donald, the reason we're talking about immigration is not you. Uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting blog on Reason.com. We'll get to it in a second. Um, But... Think about this, David. Immigration, if we added up all the immigrants in America today, anybody who's not U.S. born, we get around 35 million people. In America, we have 315 million people. So it's less than 50. So one out of every six or seven people in America. No, no, one out of every eight people in America, maybe nine, uh, or much less in certain areas, is an immigrant. Uh, But on the illegal immigrant, what, what seems to draw a lot of the ire is illegal immigration. And that brings us down to about 11 or 12 million people, which is about, what, 3% of the American population? Why are we spending so much time talking about 3% and not talking about the 5 or 6 or 10% that are veterans and what they're suffering right now because of an incompetent administration? Well, and really not just Obama, going back to Bush and Clinton, it's an incompetent administration of their benefits and about their care. Um, why are we talking about that? Well, where's the anger about that? That's what I don't get. You know why, David? I think it's because veterans' issues just don't come into people's lives very often. So few Americans have served, and so few Americans know people who have served in the, in, the, in the military. There just aren't a lot of people who serve today, and they tend to come from the same socioeconomic and, and geographic backgrounds in America. And as a result... You know, I would take my my son, my youngest son, for example. He knows two kids that went into the military. They were his best friends in high school, but they went to the academies. One went naval, one went to air force. That's why he knows them. I asked if he knows anybody else who went into the military. He says, "I don't know anybody else in my class that went into the military." So his two best friends went to the academies, and that's it for education. He doesn't know anybody that actually went into the service that went to Afghanistan or, or went into the Marines or went went to Iraq. He doesn't know anybody like that. And that's crazy. I mean, think about that. Your generation, my I knew people who went into the military. I had a half, two, about a third of my class went into the military in high school. Because of where I grew up in a rural area, chances for education advancement were relatively small. And it was, it was the 1980, it was 70s and 80s. So I knew lots of guys. And my kids just don't because of where they live and where they went to school. And I just think that's part of the problem and why you don't have this as a national issue. Because people don't see their best friend their brother, suffering because of this. And as real, why isn't Donald Trump yanking about the veterans' issues? He wants to get really broad support. I mean, he's going to get that from people. That's, a, that's an issue that can bring people together, and he can use his bully pulpit to talk about that. But instead, he talks about what? Illegal immigration. Why? Because it's an easy target. Nobody likes... The idea that people like illegal immigration is just a lie. Nobody wants illegal immigration. Nobody wants illegal immigrants here. Oh, this labor wants... No, labor doesn't want them. Labor wants bodies. What do you you relate... In in fact, I I don't disagree with you. I just... uh, I question the mentality of our peers. If you said, what is illegal immigration? Or give me a comparison of illegal immigration. What is it? Mm -hmm. Now, the people that have some 
minute knowledge of illegal immigration. I think they, and, and I think the media has done a subliminal job of doing this, but they have made illegal immigration the same as I'm breaking into your house. Right, right. You could compare it there. It's, you're breaking into my country, you know. You're not coming here you're to support your family. You're stealing from me. You're, you're violating my country by breaking in. And <laughs> now, I don't think you've ever been spit on, but I've been spit on in the airport wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. And, really? Uh, that, but I'm... That was the 70s, wasn't it? No, it was, uh, well, it was the early 60s. 70s, yeah, early 70s, yeah. Um, you know, and there's, there, just like you said, people don't know veterans, and they don't know... They don't know what veterans... Veterans know veterans. Right. And there's a big family of, of veterans. But they're um, silent. They're not vocal. No, they're, they're, s- not, they're not silent. They're, well, they're they not just, getting the media attention they, they need to get. They don't get, get the, the media, media attention. attention need to get. I mean, if, if I'm a Republican candidate, I put veterans' issues right out in front and say, we're going to do the following things when I'm president of the United States. And I would pound on that day after day after day after day until something happens. Uh, the immigration issue, you can talk about building a fence... But as Jeb Bush wisely pointed out, oh no, wait a second, it was, it was Rubio. Rubio. Rubio, well, you build a fence, they'll chop it, we'll build a tunnel. You got to deal with it on multiple levels. Uh, and the idea that he's going to make Mexico pay for the fence is smoking dope. Um, <laughs> you just, well, we, you know, you relate building a wall, or I relate building a wall to the American society over, overall. They want an easy fix. Right. The easy fix, well, let's throw up a wall. I, I got tickled. What did Rubio call that? He didn't call oh, it a wall. No, he, he called it a fence. Fence, yes, <laughs> a fence. Called it a fence. Is that a barbed wire <laughs> fence? He's got a moat around or, that fence. He got electrical, an electric fence out there. Um, well, and and you see, we talked about the numbers. How much it would cost to build the fence and maintain it? It's like two hundred fifty billion dollars. It's just a stupid amount of money. When you could have a legal immigration system. That actively, right now, our legal system does not actively discourage illegal immigration. It does not. If you had a system that act that it was e- if it was easier to come with papers than to come illegally, if it was cheaper to come with papers than illegal. Right now, do you know what the cost is for a coyote to come across the border now? Imagine ten, you know, anywhere from three to ten thousand, six bucks. to twenty thousand dollars more if you're not from the. If you that's only if you're from. We're not, the Americas. Do, if you're from outside they, the Americas, it's much more. How do they get that kind of money? They, what they do is they borrow it. <laughs> from Uncle Joe? They borrow from Tia Maria and, and, and Uncle Juan, but also the coyotes lend them money. And so now they become indentured to the cartels. Now, interesting, the, the, uh, the snakeheads, you know who the snakeheads are? It's the Chinese mafia. They've been doing this for decades. Well, they they charge fifty to sixty thousand dollars, and those guys basically become slaves to the snakeheads in the U.S. until they pay their debt off. That's happened now. I've asked people and recently. You, you, I had a woman came in yesterday. I said, "When did you?" I always ask the question, "When did you come here?" I came in two thousand and fourteen. Did you get caught? No. Wow, you must have had a really good coyote. How much did you pay that person? She said fifteen thousand dollars. I said, "Where did you get fifteen thousand dollars?" Well, so I owe them the money. I paid them a down payment. And I owe them the rest of the money. You know you can't. You, you know there's nothing for you. I can't do anything to help you to get anything. How are you going to pay that back? Well, they'll probably come after me if I don't pay them back. So I mean, 
again, illegal immigration, now that the cartels and the criminal syndicates have become involved in illegal immigration, as opposed to just the mom-and-pop coyote guy for 500 bucks bringing across the border, now you're creating a criminal enterprise once again because you're not fixing a broken immigration system. If it was easier for somebody, if, okay, instead of paying the coyote $10,000, I can pay $2,000 in fees and, and obligations to come for X period of time of work and know I'm going to go, gonna come back and that's going to keep me open to come back in the future? Of course you're going to do that. Of course you're going to do that. Um, so, uh, you know, Rubio, I thought, talked intelligently about the issue. What I can't get over about Rubio, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be an ageist, I just think he's too young. I just think he doesn't have any gray hair. <laughs> I, mu- I must say bit. that he wiped his smile, his his twelve year old smile off his face. Yeah, he, he and looked, got some coaching and looked a bit more presidential during the debates right. than I've seen him. But previously. he's still, but he's still, yeah, face, he's, he's just too young. I I can't argue. I I mean I think he's just too young. I don't think he's got the life experience to be president. Um, and. Uh, but I, now you know. Now you know what would give him would have given him that life experience. What had he served in the military? I agree. I, it would have changed him dramatically. Mm-hmm. Dramatically, going to law school does not give you life experience. I can. <laughs> well, not the kind that the military does. You know, I didn't serve in the military, but I actually served. I served a two-year mission for my church, and that that changes you when you when you give of yourself to another cause, whether it's a military or a missionary service or other thing where you receive no benefit from that, but you're just giving, that changes who you are, and it changes your perspective, and it changes how you think and feel about others, and, and, and you go outside of yourself. When all you've done is live within yourself and pursue your own goals, it's quite easy to become narcissistic, ask Donald Trump, uh, and really focus only on yourself. And that's not really, and I think that's who we have for a president today. I don't think he really cares about anybody else. I think he only cares about himself. Well, and, and I want to, I'm not by no means putting down the missionary work. But then you add, the with military, but then you add one other ingredient into the military, and that's when uh, the bullet goes flying past your head. Right. Well, if you're serving during a time of war, not everybody yeah. serves during a time of war. So, but yeah, I mean, you clearly come into a situation where you, you face life and death. And right you on. make the decision do I shoot him or does he shoot me? You know? Well, and. And I think the president, I think a president should have been. Uh, I think it makes you stronger as a commander in chief. Our options are limited there, though. Our options are limited there. Uh, Lindsey Graham. Okay, he was in the JAG. Okay, I'll give you that. He was in the JAG. He wasn't he didn't really serving active duty as far as shooting you're concerned. Um, but I would like to. But there are guys serving that, are, that have the gravitas, that have life experience, that. That that I think would be good. I, I mean I think Jeb would be a good president. I mean I don't I don't hold anything against the guy. I think uh, I think Kasich would be a good president. Uh, I think that uh, um, uh, well, that's pretty about it. Uh, <laughs> I can't think much beyond that. And the rest of the guys up on that stage, uh, I don't think Walker would be a good president. I think he's a narcissist. Um, I think he only cares about himself. I think he's beholden to Alec. The, the American Legislative uh, Council that drafts this crazy legislation, uh, and uh, so I, I really don't don't respect him. I think Cruz j- is beholden to only him, and hey, that guy truly believes only in himself. I don't think he really cares. Um, so I, I think at the end of the day, unless we get a candidate that people can can get around that can defeat Hillary Clinton, and, and David, you can write this down. She will be the Democratic nominee. 
Absolutely. Um, that they're going to lose. And let's take a quick break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's good to be back. Um, hey, we got picked again to be a super lawyer. I got, I'm, a, I'm a Georgia super lawyer again. And the Georgia legal elite, I got picked again, David. That's, uh, I'm shocked. So I wonder who's voting in these things. <laughs> Did you see our video from last week, David, with our little incident at the court? No, I did not. Uh, I, you have to watch my video, but um, or the Mundo Hispanico video. Uh, we had a really fascinating case uh, last uh, last week. So this video is available at uh, uh, Mundo Hispanico, which is uh, m u n d o h i s p a n i c o dot com, or my or my Facebook page. You go to my wallet; it's on there too. But uh, we had a hearing last Friday morning for felon. The day we talked about this case previously uh, last year when we first took over the case. Uh, an individual who's a police officer in Mexico about six or seven years ago uh, refused to, uh, to uh, become beholden to the cartel, the Zetas. Uh, he lived in a town called Agos Calientes, which is a hotbed of cartel activity. He said no, so they tried to kill him. and He, he fled and got up here to the United States, single guy. Um, got up to the U.S., uh, got in the country, um, and... Uh, uh, moved to Cobb County, fell in love with an American, and just, you know, kind of got married, just living his life. And then he, uh, about uh, two years ago, got picked up for driving without a license in Cobb County, got taken down to court, uh, and was uh, escorted outside the United States on a deportation order because he had no relief. He was just gone. Um, he got back to where he was from, and the cartels found out and came after him again. He fled immediately. Uh, this the fear that he has is just really turned into a psychosis in some ways. Um, and uh, he came back in the country but got caught coming back in. Uh, so ICE put him in custody because he said, I'm afraid to go back. So he was then entitled to what was called an asylum-only hearing. Uh, and he was in Stewart. And at that point, uh, his, his case was dragging on and he became mentally unstable. Uh, and to resolve that, the people in Stewart put him in solitary confinement. You can imagine what that did to him, psychosis-wise. 
we uh, we found out about this case from a reporter who was told about by his wife, and we went down and talked to we tried to go talk to him, and we had took over his case pro bono, and filed a petition for writ of habeas corpus, the great writ in federal court. Uh, as a result of us filing that, uh, uh, one ICE and the press that was reporting on this, ICE ended up releasing. They said they released him. They called me and said it's like Friday at four o'clock. <laughs> we have a hearing coming up on Monday. Hey, we're going to release your client right now. They're in Stewart, which is three hours from anywhere. All right? Um, can you come pick him up? I said no. You, you guys took him there. You guys need to bring him back home. Uh, well, when we moved to put him in the van, he started freaking out. Well, yeah, because why? He thought he was being deported, and he was just—he was just incoherent. He was screaming. He was just shaking and shuddering. So I sent Rocky down. Rocky went and picked him up. And they met him at some gas station in Columbus somewhere. Um, and he got out and went home, and he really began to become normal again. Because it was the stress and the fear of going back that set him off. So on Friday was our next hearing date for us to really, we were, we were claiming that he's just not competent to send. He's just not capable mentally at this point in his life of communicating what happened to him in Mexico and his fear. Um, and we knew, and we have a psychologist that he'd been seeing. They did a report for us. They said, look, he's just not competent to stand, to, to stand trial. He's in, in, to be able to, to, to participate in his own case, he's just not competent. Um, and, uh, but he's competent to live and work. Outside of the stress of the court, he's relatively normal. Uh, and so we got to court, and I had a hearing before his. I did my hearing. I came out, and he was sitting in the hallway. And I said, how are you doing? He said, and he, he was very tense, and his wife was kind of holding him. I turned my back. And I hear this, he'd collapse on the floor and started having a seizure. I got down, and the press was there to report on the hearing, so they're in the hallway filming this. And I got my hand under his head, banging on the floor, because he's just seizing. I put my hand under his head to protect his head. I mean, I'm yelling out, somebody, I mean, in the courts, all the courts are full around me. I said, somebody call 911. Fortunately, one of the ICE officers that was in another courtroom was, medic, was a medic, was an Army medic, and he came out, got his pack, came down, Helped us kind of calm him down a little bit. Called nine one one, and his psychologist then showed up because he was going to testify at the hearing. Uh, and he begins calming him. We kind of kind of holding him and hugging him, and we managed to calm him down for like forty five minutes. We managed to calm him down, and uh, then around the corner comes one of the guards with a badge on. Starts all over again, screaming, "No, no, deport me! They're coming to deport me!" And of course, the gurney is sitting there. He's thinking they're going to strap him down and haul him back to Mexico in a gurney. He's just not. He's just not putting two. He's just no capable of doing it. All the while, the, the reporters are filming this inside the building, and then finally, the guard says, "Turn that thing off." They have a, a camera phone, um, and then we come down again and say, "We he needs the psychologist. He needs to get. He needs to go away from here." I don't care what you got to do to the judge, but just say he can't be here right now. I'll go get my car. So he goes out and gets his car, and finally my client's eyes focus on me, and I, he knows me. He knows I'm there to protect him, and he stands up and he hugs me. He says, and he's just saying, save me, save me, save me. He says, well, we're going to take you outside. We're going to get you to the car, get you to a safe place, and you're going to be okay. So I'm basically walking him out, and then while he was on the ground, somebody had loosened his pants. So his pants keep falling down as he walks. His wife's behind him kind of holding his pants. As he, so, And then I told the guards, he has to go through the guard uh Area to get outside where they have the middle detector said, "Guys, turn your backs. Don't let them see your badge." So they're and they're in the middle, wanting people. as it look? We just can't. You got to turn your back on me. So they do that. We we get outside, 
and we get about halfway across about a 20-foot yard, and the, 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 the press is outside filming again, uh, and he just faints. He just collapses and starts seizing again. In my arm, I'm literally holding him. So I'm telling somebody, somebody come help me. I mean, I can't hold He's 180 pounds. I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. And so we gently put him down on the ground, and we end up getting him calmed down, put his pants back on, get him calmed down a little bit, such that we can walk him to the car and put him in the car. Uh, it was, I mean, really, it was emotionally, very emotional experience, very dra- physically draining, emotionally draining. Then we had to go back inside to the court. Because the court's going on. Boo, 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 boo. They're doing other cases, and our turn comes up. Uh, Mr. Cook, what are we doing today? Well, Judge, my client had to leave because he collapsed outside in the seizure. Uh, and we're making a case for a, um, uh, for a mental competency hearing today. And we ended up, for about an hour, at least 45 minutes, we argued about that, whether we could go forward, whether we could not go forward, how we're going to do it. And then the government says, we want to talk. And then the government went on and on and on and on and on. And finally, at the end of it, she says, well, you know, we'll sign or have signed a motion to terminate the case, administratively close the case. Then she says, why didn't you guys say that before? Well, I said, well, they want to, they want to, they want to close it with prejudice, which he can't, once he gets better, he can't bring up the fact that he wants asylum. And we can't have that. He's got to be able to claim, he's, I mean, he's truly afraid of going back. Uh, he says, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll sign this. This is over. We're going to administratively close the case, and he can, bring, he can bring up the claim. So we ended up administratively closing the case, which means he gets to keep his work permit while this case is closed until a certain point in time when he can you know, get better and we can hear the case again, which is unlikely to come up while Obama is president. So at least he's got a couple of years left. Um, so I, I, afterwards, we come out. He's in the car. They move him to a safe place away so he can't even see the building. I call him and say, okay, we're coming out now. Here's what happened. He's in good shape. One of my lawyers gives a little interview. And then we go see him. And uh, he jumps out of the car. And he could just, he's, just, he's been sweating and he's crying. And he, could, but he, just, he just hugs me. I mean, I've never been hugged that hard in my life. I thought it was my back was going to break. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a very emotional experience. Um, and uh, it, most of it was captured on video, oddly enough. It's in Spanish, David, so you're not going to be able to understand a lot. Well, you speak a little bit of Spanish, but uh, it was very moving. Uh, and um, I was, uh, I was uh, very touched by this. But what it showed to me is, is our immigration court system is broken. We never should have had to go there in the first place. We should have been able to call the government lawyers and say, look, here's what's going on. We can't, you know, let's, let's come to an agreement beforehand. And they wait till the day of the hearing to do anything. I mean, this is... We can work this system so much better than they're currently working it, but it's what it's doing is it's, it's negatively affecting people. Not just I'm going to be deported, but permanent psychological damage, permanent physical damage comes from a broken system. It's not just about illegal immigration. We have a we have a treaty obligation to hear asylum cases. You know, we signed that we created and signed the International Treaty on Asylum and Refugees. We need to be able to participate in that, and we can't be calling people illegal aliens and damaging them with this label when, in fact, they're really here seeking the protection of the United States. Some of them, not everybody, some of them are. We need to make sure that we're fulfilling our obligations and doing it in a way that's kind and humane. We can do it. We're fully capable of doing it. I would like to see an administration actually make that happen, as opposed to the Obama administration, which continues to detain women and children in prisons while they hear their cases. It's just it's wrong. It's just wrong. And the Obama administration should be condemned internationally for doing that. Um, David, it's been, a, it's been a good show this week. It's been a good show this week. I hope you will go watch my video and let me know what you think um, about that.
Certainly. Um, this all happened just within the past week? It was Friday. I mean, he came up from Stewart? Oh, no, no. It was a year ago he was released from Stewart. Oh, okay. Then the hearing was a year. Another problem with our system. Why are we waiting a year to have a hearing? Uh, another more crazy stuff. Um, Why isn't this, uh, you know, it's education again, and it's not. Uh, Most Americans think these illegal uh, immigrants should go to the post office and get their green card. They don't understand the. There's a line. They think there's actually a line. When you and I both know there's no line. They don't even know that. Most no. of America doesn't even know what what is a green card. Yeah. They have no clue. And this is, and I don't know how you educate them. I'm I, I don't. As always, Charles. Thank you. A great Good pleasure show. to be with you, David. Well, until next week, to see Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You want to reach out to us? Give us an email at chuck at immigration.net. You want to be on this show? Let me know. We'd love to have you as a guest on here. David, until next week, it's a great week. As long as they don't have seizures. That's right. (laughs) This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.